you know what we need at the moment in golf, I think, more than anything? What's that? Is we need some more absolutely massive news because I just think the whole industry's just been starved of like seismic changes or massive players winning massive events. There's just nothing to talk about, is there? It's been quite quite recently, hasn't it? Yeah. If I'd been to the Players' Championship and I was just about to get on a flight back and I was the equipment editor of a leading website and magazine, what I'd really like is for the world's governing bodies to announce the biggest changes to golf equipment legislation in 40 years. That'd be absolutely ideal. What do you think, Hannah? Yeah, absolutely perfect. Imagine if they'd done it last week so I could actually ask all the tour players about it. That would, <laughs> that would have been more convenient, wouldn't it? So we're podding. We're podding. It's not an emergency pod because it's fallen nicely for our uh, schedule of all the gear podcasts. We're going to talk about the massive changes that the RNA and the USGA have just announced to do with the distance the ball, golf ball travels. Um, so we've all just sat and watched Martin Slumbers and Mike Juan and their teams uh, on a virtual press conference where the great and the good of the world's media have gathered to ask them questions about a statement they'd released an hour earlier appertaining to um, changes to golf ball legislation and how far people can hit it. So I think the place to start is if we can just try and explain what the changes are. I feel like they've written this in the most complicated way they possibly could. But basically they're changing the rules on how a golf ball is tested for people who fit this local rule. So currently a golf ball, when tested, can travel a maximum of 317 yards. And that's not changing, but they're changing like the testing parameters. So currently they test at 120 mile an hour club head speed because when they brought that rule in like the early 2000s, that was like the average of the highest like players on tour with the fastest club head speed. Now they're saying that's a lot higher, so they're bumping it up to 127 mile an hour. So if you are hitting the ball at 127 mile an hour, the ball obviously can't be as efficient to still travel the same distance. So essentially the golf ball has to go less far. Right, so let's, let's, we're going to have to have about four run-ups explaining this, aren't we? <coughs> so basically, what we're saying is a robot tests golf clubs. Yeah, correct. And in, let's say, 2001... 2004 it was. 2004, that robot was swinging the golf club at a maximum of 120 miles an hour. Correct. And for a golf club to be, a golf ball to be legal, when that robot hit it, swinging yep. at 120 miles an hour... The furthest the golf ball could legally travel was 317 yards. Correct. Total distance or carry distance? Total. So what they've done is they've changed the parameters of the testing robot and said now the limit is still 317 yards. Yeah. But the, in order to hit it 317 yards, the robot has to swing it at 127 miles an hour. Correct. It's actually not that complicated at all, is it? Once you've had it explained to you four times and read it three times. They're also changing the launch conditions a little bit. So the robot will launch the ball slightly higher and it has to spin a different volume to get it to hit those capacities. What? <laughs> what do you mean? So they're saying like the launch conditions of people have changed, right? People are hitting up on it more and they're getting their spin in like a certain window. So they're also moving testing capabilities to reflect that. Okay, so... The 317 yards total is subject to effectively higher launch. Like 11 degrees of launch or something in like 2,200 roughly. And lower spin. spin. So when the robot Correct. is like set up and calibrated, it's going to be set up for 11 degrees of launch. 
and 37 revolutions per second, which works out as 2,220 RPM. But I guess in terms of like our understanding of it and the wider world's understanding of it, the, the thing about club head speed is quite easy to grasp, isn't it? Yeah. So basically dialing the, the total distance the ball can travel back to what was intended at 2004 levels yep. to reflect the fact that people can now swing it faster. And then as an addendum to that, we've now got more optimal launch conditions, more optimal spin conditions, uh, which is also going to help the ball go further. So they've dialed that back as well. They've, re- make, they've adjusted the robot to reflect um, what modern technology is doing to the Correct. performance of the ball. I think I grasp that. And who's it going to affect and when's it going to affect them? Well, interesting question. It says it, so it's going to be a local rule that is recommended to be brought in for elite competitions. But as of now, we don't actually have a definition of what an elite competition is. And it's a local rule, so most tours or events would effectively have the choice if they wanted to bring that in or not, from what it seems so far. Um, but you're not going to see it anytime soon. And they said the earliest it would be is 2026. So got a bit of time to worry about it. So there's, a, there's, so there's two new phrases that are going to enter everybody's kind of dialect. <laughs> And everyone's going to start using them like they understand them and they've always understood them. Yeah. One is, and I am going to get this right, bifurcation. Not to be confused with bifurcation, which is what I've been saying it for about the last decade. So what is bifurcation? Essentially, it's having two different sets of rules, which I don't know, the RNA and the USGA are trying to say this is not that. But I don't see how it isn't because you're going to have people using two different golf balls, essentially. Yeah, so it's sort of quite coercive by them, isn't it? It's like, we're not going to call it that. But if you want to call it that, that's up to you. I think it's because it's a local rule they're saying, oh, well, it's not bifurcation, but, like, surely it is. It's definitely not bifurcation. It's bifurcation, isn't it? What? I think I sort of take the point of what they're saying, is that they're saying um, the rules of the get the actual rules of golf haven't changed. Yeah. Um, we've just introduced a new model local rule which you can choose to implement whether you do or you don't um so let's just dig into that then what is a model local rule what is our understanding of that bifurcation by the way just means split it just means a split in something so in this case a split in uh, legislation how are you going to define local rule or model local rule you don't need to google it just i'm not i'm just reading steve's piece (laughs) Why, why didn't we just cut steve in for this bit well, yeah, so a model local rule is effectively, they're saying this is an option that's available to you. This is the precise wording of how you'd implement that local rule and you just cut and paste it into your championship or tournament or club bylaws, basically. Um, so they're giving event organisers, tournament organisers, tour organisers the option to have this limitation on ball distance. I think it was quite interesting on the call we had with them because people kind of pressing to see what elite was and wasn't. But ultimately it seems like other people are going to decide, not them. So like people were asking if it was going to be in college golf and they were like, well, it depends what the NCAA want. And like they haven't discussed it with any tours yet because they want to release all the information at once and then go and have those discussions. So they're now going to have like a six month consultation period where they do that. But it could be irrelevant, could it? Because everyone could just say we're not doing that. In theory, theory, if they were the only people who wanted to bring it in, you could just see it, the Open. In the US Open. And here. Yeah. Well, I think, is it not potentially just uh, Augusta National local rule? 
because that is the one golf course in the world that is never going to move location. It's very hard for them to extend it. They've done everything they can to lengthen the golf course by mowing the um, fairways into the tees. They've moved tees back where they can do. Um, it's often soft un underfoot in the fairway so the ball doesn't roll that far. So is it is there not an argument to say what we're trying to do actually is protect very, very specific venues? Potentially, yeah. yeah. I, was, I think it kind of depends on... Do you think one person will just do it on their own? Like, I think Augusta might. I think that... Now that I think about I've not thought much about that until you said it, but I think they probably will be grateful for the rule, won't they? Because they, they want it back how it was, I guess. More long irons into the fours and stuff like that. Imagine how annoying it'd be qualifying as an app than like just having to use this random golf ball you've never used before. So what, why do we, other than to protect Augusta National, why do we think we need the changes? Like what, why is it such a bad thing that the golf ball's going further? I think their big push is about sustainability and having to lengthen golf courses and use more water and etc. That seemed like a big one. And also the fact that there's lots of golf courses essentially that the tour just can't go to anymore. So you think it's a green, there's a, green, a big green thing as in like how do we stop having to make golf courses bigger? Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest reasons they're doing it. Feels like a cover up, doesn't it, to me? For what? Feels like something you just sort of say because you want to go back to old cool courses. <laughs> People do like using green initiatives as a, a smoke screen. It's a smoke screen, yeah. Normally saving money. That's what it feels like to me. But they are in a massive on green initiatives. If you look at like everything they do, it's always part of it. Like even if if they're doing new buildings, how they run stuff at the open, like they're always pushing that. Even when they had it at Royal St George's and they were literally having features mid-coverage about the biodiversity on the golf course. Like, mm. It is something they push a lot. But why are we... So, all, so the world's best golfers have spent uh, their entire careers trying to get fitter and stronger and um, swing the club better in order to be able to hit it further. And the world's golf manufacturers have all spent millions and billions <laughs> of pounds on R&D to try and make the golf ball go further and straighter. Um, so what we see sort of week in week out in professional golf is like better golf than we saw last year and the year before and the year before that and yeah. ge generationally we're now seeing the some of the we're seeing scoring records being broken we're seeing distance hitting records being broken we're seeing like the game move on in terms of the skill of the player so why why is why have the governing body stepped in to try and limit that because they're a bit boring <laughs> who's a bit boring is that the wrong answer well no I personally think it's good that people are getting better like I'd rather see things get better people don't get annoyed in like running when someone beats the 100 metre world record they're like oh that's good well I was well they do they normally drug test them I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say in running it, when the carbon shoe came out like all the records massively dropped and I think people were like upset about that just like people are also upset about like course records going and going to St Andrews and shooting really low scores all the time and sort of making a mockery of our favourite course, if you like. Um, so, I don't know. I think it was sort of almost... I think the, the good players are still going to be the good players and the long hitters will still be long hitters. It's just they're going to be 20 yards further back and hitting more, you know, hitting more long irons, mid to long irons, instead of just wedging it into all the greens. But why... But, sorry, I don't know. So what's your point? Why do we need to change then? If the best players are still going to be the best players and the, the same players are still going to win, what's the point in changing? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, did, did the tour, did the governing bodies think that they want scores closer to par? I don't know. There's going to be less birdies. I don't think it was that. In the call, he was pretty clear that they were interested in scoring or like getting scoring 
worse or better. Like they didn't care about that. It was literally just the fact that the golf ball was going so far, and they were having to extend golf courses or not be able to play in certain places. But so this year, the last year, sorry, the hundred and fiftieth Open was at St Andrews, basically kind of the most historic venue on the rotor ish. Um, and it played out in pretty benign conditions. Um, golf course was kind of firm, wasn't overly fiery. Uh, it's not the longest golf course. They have extended it, and people like John Huggum would like wet themselves um, about saying it's the same golf course it always has been because there's a tee on the practice area or whatever else. But it is still ostensibly the same basic golf course that they played 150 years ago. So, and are you telling me that we didn't get a worthy winner or a great championship? because the golf ball is going too far. No, I think still think the best player won. Do you think Tom thinks we invented this yeah, role? Maybe, it yeah, feels yeah, like this. Yeah. But I don't, I, so, so I don't get it. Like, so it's a, it's a change that's been made uh, at the elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're saying that one thing is because they can't keep building longer golf courses. Yeah. Um, but I would say that we've, we've just had one of the very best Open Championships in the 150-year history of the Open Championship at one of its oldest venues that, all right, has been lengthened by three or 400 yards, but it's not materially different. Um, so if the driving, the driving force behind the change is we can't keep building longer golf courses, the skills being removed from the game, are, we there, are, you, are, are people trying to say that Rory McIlroy and Cam, Cameron Young and Cam Smith are not skillful golfers? Or the old course, the old course is no longer a test in the height of summer. Yeah, but they're saying it's not about the course. I sort of, I don't know why you sort of keep pressing the point. It's not about the scoring. It's about the green, isn't it? It's about the green. Well, the green initiative. Sorry, like the winner will still be the winner. We're just trying to save the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, but it doesn't make any sense because I'm just I'm, the reason I'm pressing the point is I'm giving you an example of a golf course which is 150 years old. Yeah where none of the changes have materially damaged the ozone layer. Uh, and, but yet you're trying to tell me that the reason they're doing it is because they want to save the planet. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't think it makes any sense because, like, do you have to extend the golf course if pe- like, just because people are hitting it further? Like, surely that's just evolution. They then hit less clubbing. Like, why, why do you have to keep making it longer? I don't know. Um, another thing they said on the call was, like, somebody was saying, why can't we just change the setup of golf courses in order to mitigate uh, long hitting. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I, I, I like that as an option, as an alternative, to be, to be fair. I so think there's a lot of evidence, isn't there, that actually trying to do that still helps the longest hitters and it also m- almost makes people hit it further. So you've been, you've been uh, we've all been in the States a bit this year, you've been talking to a lot, we've all been talking to a lot of manufacturers about um, new products and sort of taking the opportunity to ask them about what they think the future of um, golf club technology, golf equipment technology is. So what's your kind of feel about um, what, have they, what types of things have they been saying to you about the potential for bifurcation? Bifurcation, for God's sake. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because in the last report, they proposed quite a few different ideas, didn't they? And they weren't actually really that strong on the golf ball option at the time. The big thing that stood out to everyone that they seemed to push the most was this idea of almost lifting rules for AMS and like making it easier for them and keeping restrictions on pros. And I think I've spoken to a lot of R&D members about this and they were really keen on that idea 
because if you look into the stats like club golfers are getting any better like handicaps are getting lower carry distances are increasing so actually restricting that group of people seems really stupid um and actually it's all about enjoyment and if manufacturers can create clubs that make people play better they're gonna buy more so surely that's like a win for them as well yeah so i don't know this 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 is sort of happening live right so titleist have got some pretty firm things to say about this if you look at your whatsapps you'll be able to see it um it's pretty strong stuff this from titleist playing by a unified set of rules and is is an essential part of the games or law contributes to its global understanding and appeal and eliminates the inconsistency and instability that would come from multiple sets of equipment standards. I haven't asked Titleist to be fair. You haven't spoken to Titleist, <laughs> no. But it's, it is, so this, this whole topic has been around for a, a long, long time, right? What are we going to do to limit the distance the golf ball travels? How are we going to do it? And the, the, the governing bodies have been between rock and a hard place because they know that any changes they try and implement are going to upset equipment manufacturers who are spending millions of pounds on R&D year in, year out. And they've now done it. Um, but I think as you sort of say, like for I'm respecting golf ball manufacturers as being sort of uniquely affected by this. We have sort of come across like lots of innovative directions that brands are trying to take stuff in that are not necessarily just about the distance things go. Um, and is there not something if the game does bifurcate? <coughs> Does it not potentially lead to opportunities for manufacturers with to take the, the consumer advancements in a, in a totally different direction or to a new level? Yeah, I think a lot of people have touched on that in a big way. Like if you if you suddenly lifted like the CT rule, which is how fast the club face can be, you could really increase like how far the ball went, especially with driver. Um, there's loads you could do with MOI. One I hadn't even thought of that we chatted about with the Cobra Innovation guy was that was that you could completely change the shape of club heads. So like currently there's a rule in place that drivers basically have to be pretty plain and round and shaping. But then if you think of other clubs such as like putters, they can be really wacky shapes and you can change the aerodynamics and the MOI through that. So like stuff like that, they could really change how a club performs through like shaping waiting and making it faster yeah and what i think what we've seen this year is the sort of the story around a lot of the technology for 2023 has not necessarily been about distance there has been obviously been some distance gains i think from things like stealth 2 and paradigm and certainly from the new tight list um but the story's more been around um downrange dispersion and accuracy and the other big narrative has been around this increased personalization point where people can go and get something that is entirely fit for them as an individual as opposed to off the shelf. Um, but I think that it, if this is sort of the first step, right, so it feels to me that the message is that we're now prepared to act. Um, and this is, okay, so it's three years away in terms of when they're, they're talking about implementing it. But it's kind of like once you've um, let the genie out of the bottle or whatever the phrase is, um, you then, I think once you've kind of made that first move to say actually we are prepared to buy Furricade, um, then other things may follow. And I wonder whether over time that manufacturers might start to see it as a massive positive because they've got the, if, if it's a, 
um, if it's negotiation, if it's a prid quo vo type of deal, where we're saying, okay, we want to limit the distance the ball travels, we want to implement rules changes for elite golfers, but what we're going to do is say actually for the every man or the every woman, you can do as you want, or you can we're going to we're going to release the limits for those people to make the game easier for the masses. Then that potentially I think is an exciting thing for golf and actually the biggest advantage of bifurcation is that if they could make the game easier for more people that's all the better because it's still too hard isn't it for most of us yeah i think the biggest disadvantage of doing it with a club of a golf ball is obviously you have to buy new golf balls all the time so like if you're in that category of people in the middle if suddenly you're playing one tournament with a different ball it doesn't really matter because you're always going to buy new golf balls right but if you're in that like grey area in the middle where you might play some club stuff, you might play some county stuff that's under a local rule or some national stuff, mm. you're going to have two sets of golf clubs. Who, I can't think of anyone like that. Who can you possibly what? be talking about? Basically <laughs> everyone around this table. Um, so that is, cause I was going to ask you, like, why do you think they picked on the golf ball? Like, What else could they have done to limit distance? Well, anything they wanted, really. So why 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 the golf ball then? Why is that the thing that comes under scrutiny? Well, it's the easiest, isn't it? Why? Because you're just changing one item, and people are always going to replace it. But you could change anything. Like you could uh, you could say anything's one item. You could change like the thickness of the face. Yeah, but you, if you sort of if you're going to buy a box of balls, it's thirty quid. But if you get oh no, I need to buy a new driver, it's six hundred quid. It's quite it's easy. It's an easy thing, isn't it? Yeah, but they're, sorry, they're not they're not. They're not changing the rules for golf ball for you. They're changing it for as a model yeah, local yeah, for elite. If we're talking about like, I thought we were talking about the amateur player and making it easier for the every man. No, I've, I've moved on. No, I'm no. saying, I'm saying, why, why on this particular piece of legislation have they picked on the golf ball? So I take your point. Like if this was a, if this was a game wide initiative where they're saying like we're going to have to do something about the distance everybody hits it. Then I, I get it, like you have to change the golf ball because people have invested hundreds of pounds into a new driver. But but that's not what they're doing. They're, they're, it's a, a local rule for elite golfers at a particular events who may or may not choose to implement it. But why is it why is it the golf ball? Why not say we're gonna um, dial back face thickness on drivers or whatever else in order to get the same effect? Don't really know. Do you think it's just a romantic thing? Like we used to have a golf ball that didn't go as far. Let's just do that again. I don't know. I don't. I don't but why? Why the golf ball? That's why not anything else. I think they can do more things with it, can't they? Because what they're doing is changing one how far it goes, two the launch conditions, and three the spin. Mm-hmm. So like that's controlling a lot of different elements rather than literally just how far the ball goes, right? Yeah, and we also know that the technology changes in the golf ball over the last. 20 years have been huge in terms of the distance the ball goes with almost no compromise on feel or playability or stability um, so I think the golf ball has kind of like that's where the big advancements in technology have come in terms of actual output on distance. Also if you're physically saying a golf ball can't go further than a certain distance in testing, surely that's easier than saying like the face has to be this thick because surely people will get around that while just changing the materials or doing something else. Yeah and you are, you are a fan of telling us about how face thicknesses get thinner over time. Yes. Um, so I guess the sort of golf ball is potentially logical if you are going to um, make a change. So do we know, like, what about the w- women's game? Is it affecting the women's game? 
just one more point on the golf ball. Yeah. Do you also think it's a thing that they might think like regular golfers will just buy some pro balls just for the fun of it to play with them? So then there's like the double side of people buying everything. Like can you can imagine you having like a almost like weekend at the golf club where it's like this is a comp and we're all playing with this ball. Yeah, this is this is the eighty percent ball weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be quite a good challenge, Hannah, wouldn't it? Mm. Can I play to my handicap with an eighty percent ball? <laughs> Hope they bring it forward. <laughs> <laughs> They're not yeah. going to win it. Bring it in for the women's game. Because. Because they don't think that it's a problem for the length of golf courses. Basically, the distance women are hitting it on tour. The the golf course doesn't need to be longer, so therefore it has capacity to hold them at their current hitting distance. Yeah, which might change, I guess, as women hit it further and further. Yeah said in the report that on every tour other than the Japan Pro Tour and the LPGA Tour, the last year they registered new longest drives, but the LPGA Tour isn't getting longer, basically. Is that right? Which is what it said in the Well, report. last year it didn't. I think on average it, you'd find it would be. Over like a 10 or 20 year period? Yeah. Must be. Must be. Yeah. With all the equipment and stuff, but... That's probably why they're not doing it because they're not seeing as big a jumps in distance as they are on all the other tours. Yeah, yeah, and female professional players don't hit as far as male professional players, so there's still golf courses out there that can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, do we do we think this there's a that this will cause a sort of a shift in the relationship between brands and tour pros? So we've all grown. I particularly have grown up in an era where. Um, for, for golf brands or for any sort of brand like ha- having that association with the world's best golfers has been massively important to sales and how they go about marketing their golf club to have uh, valid- tour validation for any products always been like a, the thing to get basically yeah. if um, tour players are playing a slightly different product from the every man or the every woman um, do we think that changes about how golf equipment will be marketed in the future Maybe a little bit, but I think like if someone's buying like stealth irons, which people aren't using on tour, they're still buying it because it's associated with like Rory. So like if you're buying, say, a tour response now, you you're still thinking, oh well, Rory uses like a tailor-made golf ball, but I want one that's a bit cheaper or different compression or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like I still think there'll be a big association, but maybe it opens up like that influencer market a bit more, mm-hmm. especially for like maybe influencers in like a higher handicap range who have a lot of followers because it's going to be like what product they're using that's actually the same as what a club golfer's using. Yeah, yeah, you have seen a bit of that already, haven't you? Um, with Good Good and No Laying Up and Barstool have got pretty strong associations with, with different brands. And a li- I think a little bit of that is potentially because of a sort of shift away from that tour pro validation, perhaps because this has been come in perhaps speaks to the point that you're making about they are more relatable people for uh, the average golfer. So I think it's that is an, an interesting thing that um, is potentially an unintended consequence of this kind of change is that it does shift how people will perceive the professional game. Um, so people will be, will be uh, one of the things that I think people will get upset about, about bifurcation, certainly Titus' statement seems to lend itself to that, is that... The, People like the fact that you can go and play the same golf course as your um, heroes. You can use using the same golf equipment. Do you think? Do you think there's anything in in these changes that is kind of increasing that divide between 
the sort of very, very elite and the everyman golfer. Well, yeah, how good was it to play Sawgrass and then watch them play in it and realise, like, the difference? Mm -hmm. And obviously it's still similar if you're playing with different stuff, but it's not quite the same. So I think, like, that's a massive thing. I also think, like, in Titleist's case, like, look how dominant they are in certain categories on tour. So, like, for them, having the Pro V1 as a tour ball and then, like, suddenly that having to have something else on tour or something else for AMS, depending on, like, which way they move the name in why they then can't sell like the best tall ball to you because it's not yeah, you're yeah. not going to use it so i think if i if like we've pushed on a position on bifurcation as a topic i don't i don't i don't really think it's a problem i don't understand why people get so head up about it like because we are the thing is bifur bifurcated anyway like in your sawgrass example you, we didn't play off the back tees so we didn't go and put, have the sort of 7,200 yard experience we played it 800 yards further forward but but the back tees were shut we could have done if we'd gone another time yeah, you two definitely would have done if they we, were open but we, you're yeah, not telling me you wouldn't have done but we would have had a terrible time so we've kind of bifurcated ourselves <laughs> by being shitter yeah. at golf than at all pro <laughs> yeah. like so I don't and like we're not we're not in the gym every day we're not well you are maybe speak for yourself we're not um, we're not getting our equipment dialed in specifically towards like a tour pro is we're not hitting constantly hitting balls on a launch monitor so we are we already are bifurcated like so i don't i don't really understand the preciousness about um bifurcated i understand it if you've kind of got skin in the game from a commercial point of view but for the golfer i don't really get it as in i think we're already bifurcated but i guess in a sort of quite contrary way I then don't really understand what limiting the golf ball is achieving in terms of the spectacle of professional golf I don't I don't I don't have any confidence that the change will actually deliver kind of the intended consequence because I think as Jack said earlier you end up with the same winner basically this this the golfer this the, the golfer who is skilled under today's rules will still be the golfer who's most skilled under the 2026 rules and mm. um, so where does that get you this point about oh well, we can't protect the golf course through um sorry we can't we could why why can't we use course setup to protect the golf course well i think it's demonstrated that you can't because like bryson won the us open with knee deep rough and he won it because he was near the green when he was gouging it out um the this we're limiting the very top end of distance hitting, right? So it's how far the driver's going, basically. But you're, you, they're not limiting how far your mid-iron goes. So the person who hits their mid-iron the furthest is still going to have an advantage because they're going to go in with shorter clubs, more loft, more elevation, easier to land it on small greens. So I don't, I don't, I don't know whether the, it makes... I don't know see how, what, what difference it makes. I think it's quite hard to understand, like how much the difference in club head speed testing will actually affect the carry distance. Yeah. Like, it, I think it would have been quite helpful if they'd actually released some data saying, like, from our findings, this is going to be, like, 20 yards different or whatever. Because, like, at one point in the call, he was, like, four yards, and I was like, what's the point of four yards? Like, I think he'd just plucked that figure out of thin air as an example. But, like, if it's not going to be, like, significant, then, like, what's the point? Mm. Well, yeah, but... I I think all they're trying to do is make it so you can keep playing golf without extending the current golf courses. That's like all they're trying to do. 
you're not going to come and watch a tour event next week and they're going to be playing it like 2,000 yards longer because the golf ball goes like ridiculously shorter. Yeah. I think they're basically just trying to cap it where it is now so they don't have to expand golf courses anymore. But people were moaning about how far the golf ball was going in 2004. So if we're just going back to like a different level of moaning, basically. Yeah, but he basically said on the call, didn't he, like in 20 years' time, we'll probably be having this conversation again and be moving the testing limit back down so we can still stay at the same level. So I think all they're trying to do is get it so wherever we are now, it can't get worse. Yeah, I quite like the, the way it's explained, actually, the way it's put together and saying about it's about how fast you have to swing it to hit it 317 yards because I think that still means people can try and swing it faster if you see what I mean there's still going to be that drive to uh, better yourself from a physical and from a technical point of view for if you're an elite golfer yeah. um, and I guess it's about it's similar to limiting top speeds on Formula 1 cars like people are still trying to get to that top speed as efficiently as possible they're still trying to do it with the best aerodynamics they've still got the engineering feats of uh, improving handling of F1 cars it's just that you can't go any faster than a particular limit you can go faster better basically mm-hmm. and that's potentially similar here um, so yeah because you, I guess the one thing that you don't want to try you don't want to limit is progress right the manufacturers will argue that that's exactly what they are doing is limiting progress in terms of the kit but only for the elite player so like stuff can still get better can't it in theory for the amateur um, but it's just it's only the 0.1% of golf for that this is affecting anyway mm-hmm. so uh, they might argue that but they're arguing for the 0.1% instead of the 99.9% yeah and Lou Stagner would disagree but distance distance is only one factor I would say and so do you not think that there might be the opportunity for brands to innovate in different directions so stability of golf balls a massive thing like if we can find golf balls that are less affected in wind for example yeah a lot of that comes down to dimple design, which I think takes a lot of time to you change. If, if there's a limit on progress in terms of technology from a distance point of view, then I, I just feel like R&D departments will just point themselves in a different direction, which may, may or may not be good for golf, may or may not require its own limitation in the future. But things like having a more stable golf ball uh, would definitely make the game easier, right? Yeah. And potentially negate skill in the same way. Things like having a golf ball that spins more so you can stop it on firmer greens would help would help players. But R&D teams are always going to try find a loop to get better, whether it being like longer, more forgiving, whatever it is, like regardless of what rules you have. They're always going to keep doing that. Yeah. And like there's, there's still rules in place for distance now, so it's not like they can just do what they want. Yeah. but And so how much materially how much easier does a golf ball get if you're in the middle of every fairway 317 yards from the tee does that actually is that actually going to have any impact on protecting the golf type of golf courses that we're talking about I don't think it is you mean compared to being where in the rough or like 330 yeah so if I'm if I, I gave if him I, two options he didn't pick one <laughs> if, I'm three, if I'm 317 in the middle of the fairway I think I'm basically competitive with any current golfer yeah, is my point. So if I'm giving up 25 yards to Rory from my 317 in the middle of the fairway, I'm not sure what the question is. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying if 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 people are saying right, you can't hit it any further than 317 yards now, everybody, unless you swing it At above one two seven. Unless yeah. you swing it, swing it above one two seven, then surely the game just changes and professional golfers think, okay, so I need to get to one two seven 
I think they just try to swing it faster. I need to get to 127, and if I can get it to 127, I need some technology that means every time I swing it at 127, I'm in the middle of the fairway. I don't think it's that easy to make a golf ball go straight, as you seem to think it is. Well, no, but I just think that you're talking... By next year, all the golf ball manufacturers are going to change their R&D, according to Tom, and every golf ball is going to go bullet straight. But that, that is exactly what's happening. So over my, my entire lifetime, all of the narrative has been around this one goes 10 yards further, this one goes 15 yards further. I think the rhetoric's changed, and it's now about this one still goes quite far, but it's now going straighter. And I think that this will kind of expedite that because it's now like, okay, tall pro, if you want to be the best in the world, your goal is swing it at 127 as your cruising speed. And what we're going to do with our technology is make it, when you're doing that, Every year, year on year on year on year, it's going to get more and more likely you're going to be in the middle of the fairway at that speed. I see what you're saying. I just don't really know how they're going to do that. Well, no, but I'm sure that 20 years ago, nobody really knew how they were going to make the ball go 117 yards at 120 mile an hour. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I, I, like, <laughs> the, the, the amazing people in R&D departments and professional golfers, will just op- they'll just adjust what they're doing to operate within the particular rules and maximise efficiency within the new parameters. Well, yeah, people are still getting better. Like, they'll still get better regardless of what rules they bring in. So it just it just feels like they're kind of fighting a losing battle. Right. But the point is, the whole point isn't, it's not about performance. I think you're sort of like missing the point. Like the whole thing's about the green initiative. So it's not about, we're talking a lot about the golfer and but they said the whole point wasn't it was it's nothing to do with the golfer they don't care that's about what they scores. said they don't care about score all they're trying to do is keep golf courses relevant and not have to extend them that's what you need to get in your head because of the environment and because they don't want to extend yeah basically they don't want golf courses to become obsolete so they want to keep using historic venues they don't want to like a lot of places don't have extra land to extend so they would become obsolete and they don't want to have to be using like loads more water to water more area like having to expand golf courses to cover more ground. Like that seems like the biggest thing, like that they're pushing home. Right, okay. So like they don't care if someone's minus two or minus fifty. But can we just tick off the other things? So people say bifurcation's bad. Don't really get that. Yeah. Well, it's just an opinion. I think isn't we it? all I think we all agree that bifurcation's good. People say that uh, you're limiting progress by making this change. I don't really agree with that the reason I've just tried to explain is that I think that people just will progress within the new parameters, right? Um, So then why do it? Well, we're doing it because we don't want 8,000-yard long golf courses that are going to be really bad for the environment. We'll just don't play on 8,000-yard long golf courses would be my suggestion. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm not just, just don't buy that because this is at the same time as we're globalising golf and people are flying around the world on private jets to go and play golf events that they don't have to do like surely stop that <laughs> golf course is made of grass after just all just run the PGA Tour around the same course every week just Tom, 35 weeks of a year around sawgrass Tom for commissioner <laughs> um, and then I guess the other point is we have sort of seen this before so in the 70s they changed from a small ball to a big ball mm-hmm. um, which was like a huge thing for the game at the time uh, the change came in in the US first and it was adopted by British and European players later so you did have like quite a peculiar thing at that point of people playing Ryder Cups and Walker Cups being given the choice of what ball to play which I guess would be similar to this where to your point people were playing their club medals under the amateur rules I guess and then people will then go and play in elite events potentially under 
the elite rules. Also, oh, you telling me if the PGA Tour bring this in, like Liv are not going to do that, are they? They're going to do like the direct opposite of what everyone else does. Well, it's a massive thing for Liv, isn't it? Because they'll be able to say, oh, our players hit it further. Legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but that, the, the fact that this does happen a lot, right, I think, where golf, the governing bodies in golf will say, we've got this thing, we think it's something that potentially should be implemented, we're not going to enforce it. But if you could, if you want to do it on a local level, that'd be great. And a lot of the kind of responsibility is abdicated or delegated down to to lower levels. And then I think that does it. Then leads to argument. It leads to confusion, and it leads to kind of divisions. And I think this is potentially quite divisive because you end up with at the moment we've got a very, very, very binary sort of example in in the live in the live tour. You can say, well, we're not doing that. I just don't think the USGA and the RNA can announce it and then not use it in their tournaments. Well, yeah. So it feels like it's going to be at least in those. Yeah. And then you're going to have pros playing two balls in different events. Like, that just feels like it's going to be carnage. Yeah. Because I can't see everyone bringing it in. So I guess if you sort of, if you actually sort of distill it down, I the green thing, I'll just forget that. So that you don't buy that. No, it's just not a thing. It's just. I think. I think what what is closer to it is that it's effectively an Augusta National Golf Ball with an asterisk next to it that says also you, you historic U.S. Open venues and open venues. We want to be able to keep playing golf at Medina, at the Old Course, yeah. at, at Troon, Merion, at Merion, um, and we need to do something about making sure that that's still possible. So we're going to have a local rule, potentially just for major championships, right, um, where you play the different golf ball. That's so annoying, isn't it? Is it? Well, that'd be all right. If that's the rule, that's the rule. We just get on with it, don't we? Well, it's not annoying for us, but I feel like it'd be annoying for pros. It sort of feels weird, but yeah. I don't know if it's that bad, is it? No, Although, no. Mm, yeah, maybe it is weird. Maybe it's a bit like going to play at Muscle Barrel with Hickory's. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like it seems fun at the time, but then yeah, how well are they? I don't know. Like the majors are meant to be like the highlight of the year and like the best performance of the year, and then they're going to be using product that is worse. It's not necessarily the best performance, though. It's not supposed to be like the most entertaining show, and I think you get that regardless of the ball, don't you? You know, you could give everyone the nineteen seventy ball, the small ball, and it would still see the best golfer win in the most entertaining golf. Go, that'll go further, though, wouldn't it? Would it? Yeah, more stable. It's smaller, isn't it? So that'd go further. I think so. I think it did. Yeah, I think it rolled further, and it was definitely more stable in the wind ops. Right. I think we're too young to comment on this bit. Yeah. I've never, I've never hit a small one. I've seen them. You've seen them. You in like, in like a museum. <laughs> I don't know why it's taken us so long to get to this point, but that is precisely what it is, isn't it? Like it should, it should, be, it should be headlined as the. Augusta National Rule or the, the favourite venue protection rule yeah imagine if it comes out now and Augusta don't take this rule yeah, Tom's going to be like so annoyed it, yeah. well I'm, use, I'm sort of using Augusta because it's the easiest thing to say but it's also protecting like the historic open venues etc etc mm. although I can't like what the, if you use the open last year as an example because we all went we all watched it it's fresh in the memory it's a very famous venue like there was a lot of chat about the golf course and like holes like ten and um, a nine and ten being effectively just par threes. Yeah. 
but to me it, the whole thing created like a sort of different sort of pressure because you had to birdie those holes in order to be in contention it's ultimately why McIlroy didn't win he didn't birdie the ninth, 10th, 12th and the par 5s on the last on the last day um, so that I don't understand I don't really get why that's a problem because if you just think of those as par 3s then that creates a totally different sort of pressure they there was a, a massive premium on patience at the old on that in that final round because they took the pin so much. So you just had to keep hitting into the middle of greens often or when it was telling you to do that. Um and that was in benign conditions. So I don't I don't know if this sort of idea of trying to protect open venues is a bit of a red herring because they've always been scorable on still days and firm days. Yeah. And they've always been difficult on windy days and when it's totally baked out. Um so I'm not I'm not sure about that, but that that is what it's for, isn't it? And that I guess is at least logical. I don't think we're ever going to understand it because I'm not sure we would have done it, but yeah. Anything? No, that's sort of I can see it. I I don't mind the green initiative if that's what they want to call it, but I also don't mind the you know it, it you know it'd be better if it, if it was about the scoring and it was about the play the the courses and whatever you'd be it'd be far better just to come out and say it, wouldn't it? I'd much prefer it if we said oh. We think top players are hitting it too far. We're changing the ball, and that's that. At at major championships, basically. Eh? Yeah, but even then, I think, for, I think they play a lot of courses on the PGA Tour, which are just super long and pretty bland. Yeah, yeah. And I think if the if the ball went a bit shorter, then they probably wouldn't go to those venues. Maybe. But it, it feels a bit like half-assed that they've not brought in as a rule. Like just having it as a local rule. Like, what's the point? Yeah, it's like the test dipping the toe in the water. To I've just explained the point. Because they're trying to protect a very specific thing, which is major championship historical venues. Because they want to keep going back to the same places, because that's the sort of thread of history of the game. But surely you could use more like historical courses on main tours if it was brought in for everything. Well, but then you're into infrastructure and blah, blah, blah. Like the, the thing that people are saying on Twitter, oh, maybe we'll get a European tour event at Sunningdale, and they won't. The European Tour will still be going to places that pay the most money to have a European Tour event. And frankly, as Mike Harris rightly said, I'm not sure Sunningdale's got any interest in the Kazoo Open. So I, I just think that's just not a thing. I think I think what is a thing is protecting the history of, the ma of majors and being able to keep going back to them. Yeah. I think that is a fact. Yeah. I think if the Green Initiative was a thing, I can't believe you're making me say the word. <laughs> like if that was genuine, if that was genuinely a thing, then you would do it through. There's loads of other stuff you could do, you could, like, limitations on agronomy. So you'd be saying you can't use chemicals. You'd be saying that like, there's all sorts of stuff that you could do, which would make the golf course harder because it'd be less perfect. Not grow the roof as much. Or grow the roof longer, not cut the roof as often. Not cut the roof as often. Not do whatever it is they do to greens to make them smooth so you end up with bumpy greens. There's a ton of stuff you could say these are limitations on agronomy if the green initiative was actually a thing and you end up with more natural golf courses. Imagine how angry Tyrrell would get if you didn't have a perfectly smooth green every week. But that is that what that has fundamentally made the game easier. Like bunker sand and raking bunkers, like that is a re obvious way of making the golf course harder and more natural. Um you know, people haven't got any better at putting in like the last thirty years on tour, even though greens and stuff like that's got better. Well they might do now with stripe technology. <laughs> That's a great point. Visual, Except visual. they don't have it on the TP5, visual which technology. is the tall ball. That's what they'll be doing next. They'll be limiting visual technology because it's going to have such an impact on people's aim. That we've got here. <laughs> that we got here. So what have we concluded then? 
bifurcation not much really stop wetting yourself about bifurcation it's not a thing don't worry about it we've been bifurcating ourselves for years I agree next Um, the green initiative's nonsense and (laughs) all we're worried about is protecting major venues yeah which I don't think is I think that's like perfectly valid yeah I think that yeah I agree I think they should just come out and say it we want to keep going back to Merion we like the baskets they do a fabulous lunch yeah but it, they can't make it any longer than 7,000 yards. But they can't make it any longer, so we're going to have to do something else about it. So we're going to put chewing gum on the golf ball. Nailed it. 